Happy 4th of July, America. So excited to walk through some reflections with you guys today. I hope it serves you. Let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. You look good. You look good, America. Oh my goodness gracious. You know, I have not always been an outrageous patriot. I remember having a conversation with my mom on my front porch, I don't know, two years ago. She's always been very patriotic. Easily 68% of her wardrobe is red, white, or blue, or both, or all. American flags, all the things. And I remember having a conversation with her where she perceived me to be unpatriotic. And I couldn't really argue um, at the time. My husband had served in the military. He was in the Air Force. And you know, we had just kind of seen another side of the military and another side of this government. And, um, you know, this was a couple years ago where it felt like everybody is just so blind to the corruption. Everybody is just so um, sickeningly privileged. <laughs> and we've talked, I've, I've just beat that dead horse on this podcast already, that we're just so wildly privileged that we can be so outrageously ungrateful, that we can turn our back on the Olympic podium as we're getting a medal for our country. We can turn our back as the national anthem is playing. That's privilege. That like you're you're in a country where there is actual equal opportunity, where you can stand there and compete for your country. Not you couldn't do that in every country. That is not a a given that that's going to happen no matter where you live, no matter where you were born, under whatever circumstances. It is not. That is a blessing and a privilege. So we have just become so saturated with our privilege here that just a couple years ago, Tom and I were feeling just really, I don't know, grossed out by our nation. We were grossed out. It was like looking at a gluttonous group of people who just were absolutely taking for granted so much of what we were blessed to enjoy every day. And we included ourselves in that. I'm not trying to be holier than thou. But I think there was such a um, an intentional blind eye turned to the corruption and the real problems that we had in our country and our government. And it was hard. It was hard to know know a lot of truth. We use the term red pill, like from the matrix, right? Tom was red pilled when he was 16 years old. He he was kind of clued into the inner workings. He went back and reevaluated history and looked and he he read all the philosophers that the left loves. And, you know, he swung all over the place. He read Karl Marx. He he did all the things, went back and reevaluated and critically thought out all of these these concepts that our world is really struggling with right now, while people like me, the majority of us, were in high school worried about boys or girls, going on to higher education, worrying about, you know, just getting through, partying, 
how to cure our hangovers. I graduated college with, you know, high honors um, and learned zero things. I took my indoctrination, tucked it in nice and close to my heart and met Tom. (laughs) And and he, you know, the conversations we had early in our relationship were really funny because he's like, he did not go. He went to community college. He was in a band. He did two tours of the U.S., recorded some music. And he's like, all my friends went to college and came back and they all wanted to work for nonprofits. Like they, they went to college, you know, a lot of them sons of farmers. And, you know, we lived in a rural area in Northern California and, you know, came back really hating capitalism, really hating the very privilege that sent them to college to drink and not have to worry about, you know, paying their, their college debt off. Like, and he found this so interesting. What's wrong with profit? What's wrong with success? Why are, why are my friends that are going to college coming back and really hating on, you know, the very, the American dream, so to speak, the, the thing that just a couple decades ago, we really cherished and, and treasured in this country as the thing that set us apart from every other country, the place where, you come and shit, you can make any dream you have, you can chase it. If you have a work ethic, you can have the white picket fence in the house and the yard and the dog and the wife and the things. But the beautiful thing about 2020 and now 2021 is I believe there was an awakening and it has been harsh. It's been a hard pill to swallow and it has been hard and fast. We lost a lot really fast and it was under the most perfect circumstance where so many of us would give up these liberties so willingly under this guise of safety, be a good person, you know, like you can really feel really good about yourself if you give up your liberties for these reasons. Any other reason, none of us would have done it. None of us would have fallen for it. So there is a benefit. There is a good that has come out of this last, you know, year and a half. And that is this awakening where people have this renewed sense of patriotism, myself included, this new appreciation of how good we have it here, how good the opportunity is here, how much we have to take for granted, how much privilege we have to scoff at, how much, you know, blessing we have to turn our back on. (laughs) There's been this awakening And it's bittersweet. I'm glad for it. I'm happy that it's happening. But I will say last 4th of July, in the midst of 2020, you know, living in Middle Tennessee, um, we weren't very shut down, although I will say it was kind of at the peak of our shutdown, if you will. Um, We still had our 4th of July party where, you know, it was outdoors, all the things you can think. And a lot of people here don't care in the same way that people care in California or in New York or wherever. So we had a great gathering last 4th, and there was this different sense of celebration in the holiday, just this different appreciation for freedom in in an acute moment in our history where we, for the first time in our lifetime, I'll be 38 here this year, in the first time in my lifetime, I really had my freedom pinched on and um, taken a little bit, right? I've, I've just been so blessed to not even have to think about it. And certainly I haven't had to fight for it. I know people who have gone to war, but not in the same way that my 
grandma knew people who went to war. <laughs> Not in the same way, right? There, there. We have been blessed here in America for a long time, a long stretch, where we've been really detached from the cost associated with the freedom we enjoy, we enjoy. And so last year, there was just a little bit of a different celebration going on. And I remember standing with my girlfriends in the backyard, and it was just about sunset, and the kids were running around with sparklers, and there was quite a lot of kids, and there was kind of smoke in the air from all the sparklers. And we just stopped and, and took a moment to take it in, and it just felt like a different time. It Honestly, it reminded me of what I would imagine the 50s to be like, just this like good old American time, right? And there was God Bless America was playing on the radio in the background, and I have this video of about 30 seconds. I watched it the other day as just a reminder to myself of that moment. I'm so glad I grabbed that because it was just this refresher of, man, this is worth preserving. This is worth having. This is worth celebrating. And it's not perfect. We're not perfect. America's not perfect. Our, you know, founding, none of, nothing is perfect. It's not about celebrating the perfection of our country. It's about celebrating the objective. It's about celebrating the spirit of what our country was and is and, and intended to stand for and in my heart still stands for. That's the celebration. So last year, it was just this renewed spirit of, gosh, freedom is good. And gosh, we really do want to hold on to that. And let's celebrate that. And then this year it was a different, a totally different, you know, spirit in my mind for me. Um, almost this like bittersweet, this like, oh man, are we really on the cusp of, of truly having to either lose or fight for these things we've taken for granted for so long? And I was standing at the sink washing some dishes just a day or two ago. My husband was making the playlist for our our get-together, because we're having our annual 4th of July party this year again. We had it, and we were making a playlist, and he played the Jimi Hendrix National Anthem, and if you've not heard it, you should go take a listen to it, and it starts out, you know, you can, you recognize the National Anthem, and then very quickly, it kind of disintegrates into this kind of chaotic sound, very obnoxious, ugly-sounding music, guitar, brilliant, but ugly, and then it comes through at the end and kind of finishes up beautiful again. And my daughter, you know, was like, why is he doing that to the song? Why is he ruining it? You know, and asked some questions. Of course, I didn't know the history behind this version, this rendition. And my husband explained to my daughter that this is Jimi Hendrix and, you know, praised him for all of his musical uh, genius, of course. But he said specifically this song, this recording, this rendition of our national anthem was played at Woodstock. And Jimi Hendrix was in the hippies movement, right? He was a part of this kind of switch in our culture that I think is now, I think it had a, a, a some merit in its beginning of peace and love, but it has been one of the largest slippery slopes to deception in my eyes that has resulted in now where we sit as a country so, so divided and so off base of what this country actually was about and founded on and what it means to be patriotic and what our flag means. All of these things I feel like kind of started in this slippery slope of division that was happening at the end of the 50s and, and through the 60s and, and beyond. But he was talking about Jimi Hendrix went to war. He was in the Vietnam War, which of course I didn't know that. And he comes back and he plays this song at, 
at Woodstock and in this just kind of really interesting moment in history. And he did that on purpose with the music, obviously, to kind of show that we start beautiful and then there's chaos and there's a lot of ugliness in our history, in America, in what we try to do and how we failed trying to do it and our imperfections and just the flawed nature of humanity. There's a lot of ugliness. There's a lot of failure in that. But then in the end, it flips back to this beautiful finish of that song. And I didn't know the story behind that song. I didn't know any of that. But after he left, he and my daughter went out to finish getting ready for the party. I played it again, just alone in my kitchen. And it made me really emotional to hear it again with that in mind, just this artistic rendering of this song. And I just reflected on that, that there is ugliness, there is imperfections, but it's beautiful also. And even the imperfections and the battle and the goal and the journeying towards being better, towards getting it right, towards improvement, that journey is imperfect and flawed, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And even just in its attempt, even in that attempt of humanity trying to make it better and trying to do right and make corrections and fight for what they believe in and fight for success and fight for freedom and liberty and all of these things, I thought that's just really interesting. And I was pondering that. And then of course, on the playlist, we had two songs come out this fourth, Aaron Lewis. Is that his name? He's saying, uh, uh, Am I the Only One came out this year. And it's a just a little bit of a somber song that rose right to the top of iTunes, which shows me that there is a true silent majority. There are more patriots than there are people who hate this country. But it's a somber song about, am I the only one that's had enough? Am I the only one that's ready to fight? And I don't mean, I'm not advocating like it's time to go into the streets and fight. But I do mean, like, start to stand firmer on principles. Start to be a person of principle. Start to really draw lines in the sand. And I'm not going to, or I am going to, do this. I am going to stand in this truth. I'm not going any further. And I think of it, um, Heidi St. John out of Washington. She's running for Congress, uh, just an amazing woman out of Washington State. Um, a homeschool mom of seven children. If you think she may or may not be capable of going into Congress, I think that qualifies you immediately to um, go right on into Congress. But um, I was listening to her speak earlier this year, and she said, you know, this year, people keep coming up to me and saying, Heidi, we got to hold the line. We just got to hold the line. And she said, you want to hold the line here? This is where you show up to hold the line? We're late. We're late to holding the line. We need to move the line back. We need to gain ground with the line. (laughs) This is not where we show up to hold the line, guys. We got to gain ground back. So things like, you know, I'm not going to participate any further down these, you know, grabbing of our, um, our language, our vocabulary and twisting it. I know what racism means. You can't tell me there's a new there's a new definition for racism. I'm not playing the game. I'm not going there. So if you're going to call me a racist, it's not the word I know racism was originally intended to mean. That's not what you're saying to me. That's not what you're calling me. I'm not going to go along with the new speak. 
the Orwellian newspeak that's going on, where we're taking words, we're shifting the whole meaning, and we're using them as weapons. I'm done with it. I'm moving that line backwards. I'm not coming into agreement with this. Same with gender. There's a boy and a girl. I'm not coming into agreement. Maybe you can now call me a bigot or a whatever, but I'm not going to come into agreement. I'm not I'm not holding the line here. I'm moving the line back to where it belongs. That's my stand. I invite you into that. I invite you into that fight. So when I say, is it time to fight? When I hear that song, am I the only one willing to fight? That's what I mean. That's what I hope he means. <laughs> that Just fight in your principles. Fight in your values. Fight in your standards. Fight for what you know is true, right? Not, not my truth, but the truth, capital T the truth, the truth of God, the truth of the Lord. Stand on that. Pull the line back closer to that because we're so far off from that. And then the other song that came out, Toby Keith, God bless his heart. He's still alive, still kicking. This year he came out with Happy Birthday America. Happy Birthday America, whatever's left of you is uh, one of the lyrics. Just this really, both of these songs really captured my spirit this year of just feeling a little somber not quite in a um, celebration mode, but a little bit in a preservation mode, if you will. Just really shifting and recognizing there is a fight in, ahead of us. I, I think it might get worse, <laughs> maybe much worse before it gets better, but it's worth fighting for. It's worth standing for. We had a great barbecue last night. We had, gosh, probably 80 or 90 people come over, 50 kids had that moment of sparklers again at dusk, had a 20-minute long fireworks show. It was just a phenomenal, excellent playlist. All the things, all the things. It was just a beautiful day. All these groups of people from church, some of my husband's clients, some friends we've met from softball, baseball friends, um, all these worlds colliding. A lot of the people that came didn't know each other, and I just love those moments. It's like America, right? People from California, people from Tennessee, people from Ohio, people from Nevada, people that just recently moved here, people who moved here when they were younger, people who've lived here all their lives, just this melting pot of people who didn't know each other, who came together to celebrate, to share a meal, and to spend some, spend some time, break bread together. It was just such a heartwarming, good old-fashioned American good time. But yeah, there, there is just this heaviness on the day. And so this morning, actually the other day I was looking at, you know, just what's the definition of liberty? What did our Declaration of Independence say? I started to read through the Constitution again, just to re-familiarize myself with, with the actual words the actual intent. What was this country founded on? What have we been fighting for for 245 years? What is there? Do we really want to hang on to it? What am I missing? And I encourage you to go back and look and look at, look at the words and the context they were given historically. Don't fall for the new speak, for the Orwellian garbage. Look at the words, look at the intention behind the words and understand what this country was founded on way before its time. Concepts that were so far before its time, 245 years ago. We got it right. We didn't get it perfect, but we got it really close. I know you know these words, but this is the beginning of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. 
obvious. These truths are obvious that all men are created equal. All men, right there. Tell me this is a, a country founded on racism when before we've even hit the, the Emancipation Proclamation, before we even abolished slavery, we were already, we already knew the truth. We already founded this country on that, that it is obvious that all men are created, created equal. God is in this document. It's unavoidable. You can't say that our country wasn't founded on these principles based in the Bible. These men were believers, not all of them, but these men were believers. Don't believe the nonsense. Go back and look. Go back and learn. Read their journals. Read the historical documents. Read the Federalist Papers. Understand who these people were. Understand where their hearts were. They battled over this concept of slavery from the very beginning. They, it was not a question of whether or not slavery should exist. It, it was how do we eliminate it? It was never an argument of is it good or is it bad? They knew from the get-go, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, capital C, creator, with certain unalienable rights. What is an unalienable right? It is a right that is unable to be taken away from or given away by the, by the possessor. So you cannot take this right away from the person. It's bestowed upon them by their creator. It cannot be taken away. And it cannot be given away by the person who has it. You can't, I can't give my unalienable right to my child. I can't give it away even though I'm the possessor of it because it was given to me by my creator God. And I can't give it away and it cannot be taken from me. This is the true understanding of we are always free in Christ, always free in Christ. We don't have to fight for that. We don't have to earn that. That is given to us. It is bestowed upon us. And no matter what happens, hear me now, no matter what happens in this country, no matter what happens to you, no matter what happens to our, our families, how bad it gets, we are always free in Christ. That is an unalienable light that is right that is given to us by our creator, it cannot be taken from us and it cannot be given away. You have it, it's yours. You're always free. That's a sidebar, but it's a truth and it's important and we need to anchor into that more than ever before, friends. Because yes, we might have to fight for our physical freedom. We might have to fight for our liberty, but we don't ever have to fight for our freedom in Christ. That's the most important <laughs> unalienable right. But what are these unalienable rights? That among these, it goes on to say, our life, our right to life, our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's interesting to me, it says among these, meaning these are but three. There are more unalienable rights, but we define three. And I'd venture to argue there's not that many more. There's not that many more. What is a right? Actually, that's a great podcast. We should do that sometime. We should talk about what is a right? <laughs> we don't have the right to a cell phone. Sorry, Obama. We don't have the right to a cell phone. It's not human right. We actually don't even have the right to have shelter over our head. I know that's a hard one to swallow, right? There are, there are actually a small handful of unalienable rights, but among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, I love that, the pursuit of happiness. We have the right to pursue happiness in our life. We have the right, you can't take that. It's given to me by my creator. It's his intention for me. 
It's his intention that I would walk in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Kindness, gentleness, patience, joy, love. That is my right given to me by my creator. What is liberty? That's one that's a little, um, it's heavy. It's a lot. There's a lot here. Liberty is the state of being free within society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. Okay, so the state of being free within society. It also, the second definition says the power or scope to act as one pleases. I don't think that's a very good definition, that second one. To act as one pleases. Sure, I would think it would need to be fleshed out a little bit more to truly define liberty because there are... Um, You can't act. To act as one pleases without any confines is anarchy. That's not liberty. That's anarchy. (laughs) Liberty is to act the state of being free within society. Within society. Within living with, operating with, working with other humans. I have liberty, but so do you. And my liberty can't infringe on your liberty, right? This is like the true libertarian foundation of my, you know, kind of political view, so to speak. But the state of being free within a society from oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's way of life, behavior, or political views. I think our liberty, our liberty, not our freedom, our liberty has been stifled. Our liberty has been eliminated. Oppressive restrictions. Are you familiar with any oppressive restrictions that have been put on you? in regards to your way of life, maybe your job, maybe where you go to work, maybe you've had to wear a face mask for a year or more. Maybe you're now being asked to um, take an experimental jab into your shoulder here. Maybe that's affecting your way of life. Maybe your behavior has changed. I know my anxiety's through the roof. I don't know about you. My behavior has changed. My relationships have changed and shifted, or your political views, it says. Oppressive restrictions imposed by authority on one's political views. I am no longer on social media because of the censorship that is so insane, because you can't have a certain school of thought right now. I don't know if you know of any other oppressive dictators in our history that didn't allow you to have an alternative political view or an alternative political voice. I don't know if you if that sounds familiar, but alarm bells should be going off in your brain because our government is currently our big tech, not just our government. There's all kinds of oppressive restrictions happening from all fronts. You guys, liberty is worth fighting for, but it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost. It comes at self-sacrifice. We do have to. I totally believe. I can't just do whatever I please. There will be consequences for other people. We have to operate within a society. But oppressive restrictions imposed by authority is what we're talking about. That's what, that's what limits or takes away your liberty. So back to our great Declaration of Independence, this treasonous document that was a death sentence for the men that were brave enough to put their name to it. This was a guaranteed you will be pursued by the British government because you put your name to this. Life-threatening thing here. Talk about putting your your money where your mouth is. (laughs) Being a person of principle. High stakes 
moment. So grateful they did that. So grateful they did that. So it goes on to say, this beginning part of our Declaration of Independence, that to secure these rights, to secure these unalienable rights bestowed upon us by our Creator, unalienable meaning can't take them away, can't give them away, in order to protect, secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, by men, deriving their just powers, just powers, from the consent of the governed, right? This is the big piece. If we no longer consent, if our powers are no longer just, if they're no longer serving to protect our unalienable rights, which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, then we've got a problem. We're in crisis. We feel somber on 4th of July this year. We feel a little somber. Because this paragraph, the reason we are, what we are, who we are, and the way we were getting it right all those years ago, before our time, doing the right thing imperfectly, it's slipping out of our very fingers, which they warned us would happen. Liberty is a blessing if we can keep it, if we can keep it. So my question, my challenge, my hope, my prayer is that we all reflect on that and that we really think, is it worth it? Is it worth protecting the rights? Our unalienable rights, among these being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, are those things we want, not just for ourselves, but for generations to come. My oldest is nine. I have a seven and a five-year-old boy. I don't want them to have to fight for it. I don't want them to have to take on the battle for this because I was too comfortable to take on the battle because my preferences outweighed my principles. I don't want to kick the can, pass the torch to them so that that burden lands on their generation. I don't want to do that. I want to fight for it now. I want to stand up now. I want to give up the things. They can't take it from you if you give it, right? I'm like, you're starting to censor my Facebook. You can have it. You're starting to take away my Instagram. You can have it. I don't need it. If I don't get to leave the country, oh, well, I've been blessed to have traveled in my past. I would love for my child to see Italy, London, but if if I have to get a jab to go on a plane to see those places, you know what? Heaven's better and I want them there and it's going to be way better than them not being able to see Africa or Italy or wherever else I would hope to take them. So that's my challenge for you this year and as we celebrate and reflect on our nation's birthday Are we ready to stand up? Are we ready to be more firm in our principles so that our kids don't have to, so that our kids can go back to being privileged, so that they can go back to turning their back on the very blessings that have been bestowed on them? (laughs) I hope they don't. I hope to raise up children. Uh, What do they say? That good times make weak men. Weak men make bad times. Bad times make strong men. There you go. I think we're in that little moment where we're having bad times, but it's going to produce strong men. It's going to produce strong men again. And I don't mean just men. I mean strong people. <laughs> strong, but I do mean men. I do mean, I will say that. I do mean strong, masculine men again. I'm okay with it. These times are going to produce that. I declare it. <laughs> I come into agreement with that. <laughs> 
So that's my prayer, guys. I hope that served you. I hope you'll get down on your knees with me and continue to pray over that. Have a good one. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Heavenly Father, I just pray over this great country, Lord. I know that we're not perfect, but I know that you are forgiving and that you redeem, Lord. And I would just pray that as we navigate this imperfect journey of our pursuit of this life and this liberty and this pursuit of happiness, Lord, that you would guide our steps and that you would redeem our failures and that you would strengthen our will to follow your will, that you would align us back with you, Lord, and that we would be in sync with your purposes, Lord. And if it is in your plan and will that you would intervene in our story again, like you have so many times before, Lord, let it be so. Let it be so. In your son's name we pray. Amen.